longing. Oh. Rusted. Yeah. 17. Hello. And welcome to TBR Spotlight, your companion podcast to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Today, we're focusing on episode three of the show, Power Broker. My name is Owen, and I'm joined by a power broker of my own, Mr. Rory Cashin. Hello, Rory. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, that's that's quite the intro. I feel triggered. Yeah, I was going to say, are you ready to comply? I am. I uh, like this was bit. This was quite the episode. Every like after the first, we were like, it's, it's, it's not a lot of stuff happening, and then the second, we were like, oh, there's quite a, quite a bit happening, and now this was like, oh, everything's happening. The whole world's happening. So for context, myself and Rory have just watched episode three of the show, and the less said about me accidentally getting up an hour early to watch it, the better. So we're gonna we're gonna gloss straight over that. Nobody needs to hear about it. We are okay. We're moving swiftly onwards, even though you're gonna be like, Well, I told you because the hours changed last yep. weekend that yep. you wouldn't need to get up as early. But obviously I clearly didn't listen and I had my alarm set and I was texting you like at an ungodly hour this morning Rory where is the episode and you were like I told you this already it's not on yet so uh thanks for giving me a heads up yeah no you're welcome and thanks for beating my alarm uh to get me up this morning with those texts it was it was really appreciated you're very welcome I'll do the same thing tomorrow so we're already halfway through the series through uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The glass is half full. Um, as you said, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. They've really ramped things up. I, I actually did a quick recap of the episode um, just in bullet points, kind of like code words if you want to hear those, just to see if they're along the same lines as what you were uh, picking up from the episode as well. So we got Zemo. Yep. Dance Floor. <laughs> yeah. Madripur. Yes. Sharon. Yes. And Wakanda. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd have one or two more bullet points in there as well, to be honest now. But I already mentioned Dance Floor. That was the main one. What else would you have in there? I'd actually put Dance Floor in twice because <laughs> okay. there was, in fact, two separate Dance Floor sequences in this episode, which was just great. Uh, more Power Brokers. Oh, no, more Flag Smashers, um, mm-hmm. which we will get to. And... <laughs> bad introductions would be one bad for me introduction too. yeah okay bad for bad for not bad for us necessarily but but bad for them in that this was this was an episode where we're just going to get right into it this is an episode where we were we'd be introduced to someone and we'd be like oh okay this is clearly going to be so oh no they're dead <laughs> oh they're gone <laughs> oh my dear god that happened because when they mounts was it uh Sel- selby selby and i was like oh selby and there's selby okay she's cool she's kind of like a, a, a crime queen of Matt. no she's dead and then <laughs> no she's been shot in the head and then it was, it was dr nagel who yeah. was like oh okay he's like a new um who was who was the guy that was in Erskine. who Erskine. Oh, they had um, Stanley Tucci playing uh, a doctor who was in. Oh, Toby. Um, yes. Toby Jones. Yeah, the new Toby Jones guy who ended up being like part of a computer in the Winter Soldier. Like I was like, oh, he's going to be the no, he's dead too. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of bad introductions for these people where they're like, I've I'm I'm a big character. I've got a history in the comic books, and I'm dead. 
Well, that's a, that's a relief because whenever you mentioned bad introductions, I thought you were going back to me just listing uh, no, the no, Winter no, Soldier's that, that code words again. Oh, happy days. Now, one noticeable thing from this one, we'll just get it out of the way straight away, is mm. way less Captain America. John Walker, uh, like playing such a key role last week, is pretty much out of the picture for a lot of it. He appears at the, at the start of the episode and at the end. And for the rest of it, it's obviously focusing on the two guys and their road movie. Uh, essentially with uh, with Zemo as well. But uh, just on those brief appearances from Captain, uh, a couple of little interesting things with uh, initially was just uh, he doesn't Im- introduce himself. He doesn't call himself Captain America yet. He's still, my name is John Walker mm. when he's talking to people. So it, it's, it's interesting what they're doing there. But I was wondering, the very start of the episode, what you thought of this, kicks off with a fake ad uh, like we saw loads of in WandaVision, this kind of Starship Troopers style. Well, I think uh, it, this in this show, it's a real ad. It's a real ad, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like the it's not like the WandaVision f- fake ad. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's 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 fake, but it's, it's real it's because too. it's really happening in their world. Yes, whereas the WandaVision ads were fake because they were not real in anyone's world because that world wasn't real. So we've got those. Is from that, is the, that clear? <laughs> listen, you've completely cleared up uh, that matter, and uh, probably in a very similar way, you're going to clear up loads more matters as well for us here. But um, the interesting thing about that, those words, those reset, restore, rebuild, mm. um, they've actually been hidden in the end credits as well, all along as well. So that was a nice little tie back to that. Another, I know we were talking about music last week. Uh, at the very end of the jingle for that ad, it kind of quotes "Out uh, Lang Syne," which is about old acquaintances being forgotten and then coming back and stuff as well so it's just again the detail that marvel are putting into even just these little like kind of 15 second snippets uh it's just phenomenal but from there we're straight into hannibal lecter zemo um like where where do you begin with him well actually even before that but like from from the lad where it's like we're here to help like real peaceful voices lovely imagery of a beach and a sunset and then it's smash cut to the grc van with John Walker coming out going, I'll kill everyone. So it's just, it's like, uh, yeah, like I think they're giving off the vibe. They're like, no, no, we're here to help. But in fact, it's like a militarized version of the UN. Um, who are just here to cause more problems, maybe than to solve. So I, I enjoy that. They're, they're really leaning into how the, the U S government, even though it's like, obviously the global part, but it, it does feel like more of an American problem are, are making more problems than they're solving. Uh, which is, you know, ballsy. Uh, but then, yet yeah, we are on to Hannibal Zemo. Um, Hannibal Zemo Magneto. Um, That's the guy. For for his little breakout sequence, which was fun. Lots of fun. And it was the first kind of, I know, like, constantly trying to, not trying to pick up on other, like, kind of famous film references, Um but uh, like as you said in, in your conversation with the director uh, of the series and the head writer, you know, you're picking up on, on different film references anyway, like uh, the body cops that they've done. But in this, you've also got like Science of Lambs. But this description where Bucky is talking to Sam and saying, hypothetically, you know, what if um, this were to happen? And he describes it as it's happening. And it's that kind of Ocean's Eleven style yeah. where it's a lot of fun. Uh, you get to see like the little details as it's happening, and then ultimately it's like, oh, that was happening it's, all along, and look here already. we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, already it's such a clever way to save time for us, because at the same time, like I loved uh, 
Anthony Mackie's reactions to that entire. He's like, why? What did you do? <laughs> and where are we? Like the, the, his reactions to that scene were actually were really really good. It really does amp up the um, the comedy angle. And then once we get Zemo into the mix, the Midnight Run reference that the director kept talking about makes a lot more sense because obviously it's a uh, it's uh, someone who's wanted by, in this case, everyone in the world, um, and the authorities who kind of have to protect him, even though he's not a good guy. Uh, and the dynamic between the three of them is 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 actually very interesting. It's excellent, and uh, there were a couple of things about that because obviously we've known Zemo before purely as being this this man, uh, this really competent leader and soldier, hell bent on revenge because of what's happened to him personally to his family and to his country. But then, as we've talked about in the previous two episodes of the show, they're really mixing the comedy and the drama. Again, as the writer and the director have, have said, they, they really want that that uh, to flip between those kind of emotions and those feelings. And again, they're, they're playing Zemo for laughs and lots of this as well. Um, as you said, like kind of the, the fun aspect of him breaking out of jail, um, the reaction of Sam to him, which is a real one of like, no, we, we, were, we were trying to, kill him and he was trying to kill us and now you want us to what team up and be friends here and uh daniel brule uh again uh, brilliantly just plays the mix of the comedy and the drama again everything is testament to the wider casting of the marvel cinematic universe so that whenever these actors are given a little bit more to play with they just absolutely nail it i, I did have a wee question if that's okay about the zemo introduction scene um there was like what was brilliant first of all was to get the code words out of the way because everyone's like oh, is bucky gonna go dark again what's gonna happen mm. here so what what do you think about that is like straight in <laughs> his first words were the code words essentially yeah i think he knew that he he wasn't going to be uh like triggered or commissioned or whatever activated by them anymore but i, I think he was just curious to see how he would react to them and even though bucky kind of plays the scene straight-faced uh Zemo's still like there's something going on I can tell it's not it's not completely dead and buried inside you there so yeah that was done really well and just I know we're jumping around a bit just with Zemo stuff but his conversation about the Marvin Gaye al- uh, album and Anthony Mackie's like that's not your place to talk about <laughs> he's out of line but he's right <laughs> that was fantastic that reminded me of, you know, the Onion headline that always does around. It's like, the worst person you know just made a great point. And yeah. uh, like whatever he's saying, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing album. And you're right, Anthony Mackie has a thing like, you're out of line, but he's got a point. <laughs> he's, he's telling the truth. No, that was brilliantly done. And I love the way they kind of reveal, um, he's like, I'm, I'm a baron. I, of course, I've been rich this whole time with all this yeah. amazing, this amazing car collection and my own private jet and my butler on the plane. Like, so that was really well done. But sorry, the question I was wondering at the breakout scene, um, and Zemo has the Machiavelli book, well, and there's like that a, was a, that was a bit on the nose, no, <laughs> to be fair. No, the, the, the the Machiavelli reference, yeah, but but I thought there was something with a bookmark or something that he yeah. was either taken out in any pocket. It was, what was that? It was it was the the the. The, like the fob, the door fob that he uses to get out of prison. Right. But I was, yeah, I was just trying to figure out how he got his hands on that in the book, or did he already Bucky, have it in the book, or, or did Bucky it slip it to him? Okay. Now, we don't got know you, how God. Bucky did that, because Bucky's like, what book are you reading? Yeah. So he must have known in advance that he was going to check out the Machiavellian book, and then 
Zemo didn't realize that the fob was in there while he was reading it until Bucky pointed it out. I don't know, but all I want basically after this uh, is Bucky to set up his own book club, basically, and just call it that as well. That would be good. I, I would attend that. The Bucky club. The, the Bucky Club. Exactly. What are you reading this week? Okay, so that's the three of them. They team up. They're on the road then. And suddenly Zemo kind of takes the lead to go, I know where to go. And on the plane, he introduces Madripoor, mm. which Bucky is familiar with. And uh, Sam is obviously playing the role for a lot of the audience going, why are you talking about this place? Tell me what's it all about. Now, Rory, I'm in Sam's position here. You're, right. You're in Bucky's position here uh, because I've heard the name. Uh, I've seen the episode now. But uh, I remember you were talking about Madripoor, I think this must have been nearly even months ago, whenever one of the earlier trailers were released. Yeah, when they when they released the f- kind of the full-length trailer, it must have been January maybe, um, there was some images of what to us kind of looks like Hong, po- Hong, Pong? No, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Hong Kong or <laughs> Singapore, you know, like a real uh, almost futuristic looking skyline. Um. And everyone was was surmising that it was going to be Madripoor. So Madripoor is uh, it's a it's a nasty place in the Marvel universe. Um, people from all corners of kind of Earth based Marvel comics have ended up there at one time or another. So there's there's a high a high a high town and a low town. I think I'm saying that right, or uptown or downtown. <laughs> yeah, that's an, yeah. Billy Joel sang about it. No, it was High Town and Low Town were the two. Uh, because, yeah, because yeah, because they they reference both of those in their initial so, conversation. So High Town is like the rich affluent end, and that's where like the fancy, uh, the fancy criminals end up. You know, the people who would be more into hedge funds and stuff. And then there's Low Town, who would just be like your run of the mill kind of gruff assassins or or whatever. Um. And they do, I I predicted in an article a while ago that this was potentially setting up a crossover with another famous Marvel character. And they call specific attention to it in a single shot in in the episode when when they're walking around and you see people seem to be dealing drugs just on the street, just Mm. (laughs) big bags of cocaine (laughs) that's going around the place. And we see some uh, neon signs for some bars in the, in the, kind of dirtier end of the island and one of the bars is the princess bar and that's famously owned by wolverine oh my goodness that was a reference that went completely over my head because they do a lingering shot of sam looking at that bar and i just thought oh sam's dying to go in for uh a drink and a dance maybe who knows but no that makes way more sense that it's actually a wolverine reference yeah so they don't actually go in there they go into another bar that seems to from the outside have uh a neon shot of a of a monkey yes which Um, has been in the end credits as well that symbol yeah so there is a bar in madripoor called the blast monkey which is um kind of it's where the the rich people go in the low end of town knowing that they'll be left alone it's just kind of an understood uh place to go for like a a mix of all types of criminals in madripoor uh but yeah the sign for the princess bar is a direct reference to wolverine because he does own that bar now that's not to say you know we're going to go back to Madripoor and be like, hey, Hugh Jackman or whoever's playing, you know, um, nice to see you. But it is uh, an active reference that this is within the same universe. 
yeah, it's a brilliant potential link to have there. And uh, all they need to do is that one throwaway bit. And as you said, who knows what way it will potentially go. For the record, uh, there's also a Brass Monkey Bar in Newry. I don't know if it's the same um, kind of setup is as that, what's is going on in Manchester. Newry or low town Newry? See, I, would, I wouldn't like that. I'm not from Newry. I have a few friends from Newry. They're probably from the low. No one knows, guys. Um, but no, uh, so just in case of anybody, I don't know if they'll see any kind of tourist boom off the back of uh, the Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier, but you never know. Just while they were on their way to Manchester again in the amazing private jet, mm. uh, again, Zemo with the funny one-liners in other languages when he's slagging off Sam and Bucky and telling them to give them the out-of-date dodgy food as well which is lovely but he ends up with um two points in this actually he ends up with bucky's notebook uh and i was how did he get his hands on bucky's notebook and then the second thing on that was i know we had previously said he's got a notebook like steve and it's revealed that it's not like steve it is steve's notebook which is um i don't know what else steve was writing down in that hopefully he didn't have like any dear diary uh, but yeah, so um, that was interesting. It's a nice connection that Bucky is obviously holding on to that as a keepsake, and maybe Sam or sorry, Steve had passed that on to him. But yeah, that was another thing. It was like, wait, it's like Zemo, some kind of Darren Brown expert, and this is, he's managed to like sleight of hand the notebook away from Bucky. I think it's in the same. It's in the same regard that Bucky somehow got that fob into his book. I think we're both supposed to believe that they're on equal grounds when it comes to just doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Bucky did not take well to to Zemo going through his his uh, his little notepad because if you go back to it, was Zemo's name was was on that. Yeah, he's one of the the people that was mentioned in one of the first shots that we saw in episode one. But isn't this the list of people that he feels he's done he's done wrong to? So he feels yeah. he's done something wrong to Zemo. Yeah, I yeah, he was on the list that we were suspecting was uh whenever we were seeing him make amends for all the red in his ledger yeah. that he previously had. So yeah, he had him down there. And maybe that kind of line of thinking is why he was more open to going to see Zemo because we know at the end of episode two, we were like, wait a second, why? Why would he even want to go near that guy? And Sam is having the king, same kind of uh, line of thinking. But yeah, that was just a, a, a nice little detail that they, they did with the notebook. But that's, but that's exactly what I mean. Like, what does he feel he's done wrong to Zemo to, to have him in his apology book? Yeah, maybe he got his list makeup and he's like, wait, is this my makeup book or is this my murder list? <laughs> Listen, I'm not too sure. I also get those two mixed up. <laughs> All the time. Um, so in Madripoor, uh, we get more references to the power broker mm. and a few more details kind of about who this person's potential. Well, one, that it is possibly one person. Oh, you're sighing. And <laughs> I'm wondering what that means. Am I saying the wrong things? But basically, they hint that it's one person. He's like the king of Madripoor. Let's not, say, let's not say he. Okay, okay. So like Selby could be a lady in charge? I have thoughts. Will okay, we- hit me. I think it could be Sharon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wait, this is all making more sense because now my other questions were <laughs> uh, not to jump ahead with Sharon. Jump ahead, it's fine. Jump ahead. So obviously they were saying, um, Zemo said, oh, you've got a guardian angel looking out for you. Yes. And obviously Sharon Carter comes out of the shadows and she's well able to hand herself, she, handle herself. She takes out a whole bunch of guys in various scenes and these kind of mini battles that pop up. But at the same time, is it not somebody else that shoots Selby initially and somebody else is shooting 
other bad guys from another window and then Sharon pops out at another part of the scene and it's just like wait there's more than one person here potentially um just in terms of the logistics and the physics of it and then the last shot that we see of Sharon is her getting into a car where somebody is clearly working for her she gets in the back of the car and she's like come on and we'll go and you're like okay because she said she was learning how to hustle so did she hustle her way the whole way to the top like that's that's the thing because going initially when when um who was it someone asks zemo is like oh who is the power broker and he's like oh i've never met them i was like oh it's zemo then and he's come back to kind of take over again mm-hmm. um but then the more as the episode played out and just the, yeah the the logistics of how and when sharon arrived just felt too coincidental to to actually be a coincidence. I was like, no, 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 something's not adding up. And then at the end when she does, now this could just be all Marvel misdirecting us again, but it does like, even when you see her apartment and it's lush and it's, and it's, she, and she knows everyone and she's selling like high end expensive things. And she seems to be like a high end criminal herself. I was like, but I mean, (laughs) she's right there guys. (laughs) She has, she has the uh, capabilities now, but, but, yeah, it's uh, that's that's my kind of shot in the dark guess at the moment is that she has become such a powerful broker herself that she has oh. found herself in this position of being essentially the criminal in charge of the most criminal part of the world. No, it's a brilliant theory. I love it. Um, And as I said before, that's what I'm here for. Exactly those wild theories. So many lovely wee details in these Madripoor scenes. Um, uh, Again, Anthony Mackie just proven what an amazing comedy actor he is. Uh, Taking, would you like a shot of Snake, essentially? Uh, Which was, which was brilliant. Um, And again, it just felt like a lovely wee, like Indiana Jones reference as well or something, you know, whenever they get the food that they really don't want to eat. So that was great. I thought it was, he had that that other line was like, I can't running these heels oh that was amazing as well and also (laughs) actually um zemo had the brilliant line uh back to anthony whenever they back to anthony back to sam whenever they were arriving in magic he's like only an american would assume that a fashion forward black man would look like a pimp um which was lovely you know because um in terms of the racial issues that they've been playing previously in the other episodes it's an interesting take on uh, obviously a Sokovian, which we know is a fictional country, but then obviously they're they're just saying these kind of different um social perspectives that people have on community and uh and Sam as a black man still has that that kind of um perception of of what he's dressed like as well. So that, I thought that was really interesting in just one particular line. Yeah. Um but the other lovely twist um again from the previous episodes we've seen Sam being recognized as an Avenger Whereas in this scene, people don't really pay attention to Sam. They're like, oh, my God, is that the Winter Soldier? And it's like when you go to like, you know, the worst of the worst bars in the world and suddenly it's Bucky who is the celebrity. I thought that was really nicely done as well as he's walking around. Yeah. And uh, like when someone's like, oh, you got a haircut. Um, That was great. And just that scene was played out really well in that he had to pretend to still be Zemo's kind of pet assassin. Yeah. the, the like the the kind of the mental logistics of the, of what that character must have had to go through to just be like oh I'm, I'm fine with this again um was fantastic uh and it was actually like a really good action scene uh and then we're introduced to selby and yes and then she's dead 
So that's fine. <laughs> and then she's gone. <laughs> bye bye. Hello, Selby. Bye bye, Selby. And then she tells us about Doctor. Oh, Nagel. she had a she had a Selby date. Very good. Yeah, we'll take that. That's I'm all right. Very happy with that. Very, very happy. happy <laughs> well, congratulations to you, Rory. <laughs> I'm very happy for you for that. Thanks. Actually, just a quick question on that scene, um, because obviously Sam gets the phone call from his sister, mm. and I thought they were going to play it out completely that everything the sister was talking about is going to have an ambiguous meaning that everyone in the room with Selby can interpret as, oh, he really is who he says he is, and then it just goes full, no, uh, put your Cheerios or eat your Cheerios or whatever it was, Sam, and then, uh, so yeah, no, I, again, I, I thought that was uh, well done, because I was like actually watching going, oh my god. It's going to work out. Jesus. And it was like whenever your mommy, like whenever you're younger, it's like who who was on your phone? Put it who put put it put it on speakerphone. And you know, I was like, oh god, I'm gonna puke here. This is all too real. But um, yeah, no, an- another little excellent scene there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was it was all it was all done very tensely and and, and very well. And uh, another lesson that if you have a meeting, put your phone on silent. And then this won't happen. Uh, so the, so yeah, so then Selby's dead, but she tells us about Doctor Nagel. Uh, and then we run outside and we're finally reintroduced to Sharon, who, who, as I said, a ti- appears at a, a timely in a timely way. Mm. Uh, and then they head off to the shipping yard, which I guess is it, uh, uh, all right. So we go there and the Doctor Nagel, and he is in full like evil Doctor mode. Like, <laughs> yeah. He is relishing in being a douchebag Doctor. So when he's then eventually, uh, like very quickly killed as well, I was like, oh, and I, I did look up, and he he is in the comics. He's he's part of the Captain America lore. So when right, he when okay. he popped up first, I was like, oh, um, but then he's dead. So I guess not. not and not, no need to put any more thought into that. And, but just to point out, like it's Zemo who kills him, point blank shoots him in the face. Yeah, and this is at at, at the point where we're like, um, even with Sharon as well, to a certain extent, it's like who can we trust here because sam and bucky do trust each other to insofar as like they know they're on the same side in general but they still find it hard to completely trust each other which pops up in a in a fight when they're like i was going this way you were going that way and you know you're supposed to follow me so they're still not on the same wavelength completely but then when zemo just turns around and pop um kills nagel uh and both sam buck they're like what what's going on here so you still get all these mixed allegiances and still um uncertainty around who's actually doing what for whom i don't know if that's the right word use of whom but it felt okay <laughs> no yeah it sounded good um yeah no i i, I understood why because zemo took his time he was listening to everything the guy the evil doctor guy was like i made it and someone stole it and now i don't think i can make any more and he's like oh so you're useless then Bam. you're done <laughs> um so yeah because zemo's goal is to have all the super soldier serum stuff just taken out so if he completely can, if destroyed he, yeah, yeah if he can kill the guy who who's been the only one so far to successfully remake it then i understood the his reasoning the behind it without it being like an extra level of evil because it's just it's just who it's just what he was doing anyway and this helps me make more sense of the fact that you do have a murder list somewhere in your house as well that's fine yeah, yeah. that's all good yeah uh, but again it's not, it's the same list as the apologies list so what if I kill someone, kill someone, I have to leave them on there and apologize for it. 
well, at least the last thing you're doing is apologizing. You know, at least you're yeah. leaving them in some kind of positive state. Good man. Yeah, that's that's the way to think about it. So there's a big action scene. Uh, Sharon Carter is kick ass. It's remarkably violent. That that action scene actually. There's a lot the of knife. The knife. The chokehold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of like up close uh, bullet head wounds. It's just like whoa. Okay, good for you. Um, but then someone takes out half the the place with a rocket launcher and. Uh, Zemo ends up being an action star. He did conveniently put on his mask to make sure that we don't actually see it's Daniel Brühl doing the action. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, so when he blows, he blows up the remaining half of the shipyard, takes out everyone out, uh, finds a fancy car, and kind of drives them all off. That's that's what he does. He just obviously, due to his amazing car collection, he just has a nose for these things. He knows exactly uh, where to find these vintage uh, vehicles. One other brilliant thing about Sharon um, was Bucky's throwaway comment on her. Wow, she's kind of awful now um, because she was <laughs> like she was very like she was just throwing like truth bombs right, left, and center to all of them. She was like, "Well, Sam, clearly you disagree with the whole concept of like Captain America because you you know deep down you didn't want the shield." Uh, and then so she's just calling yeah everybody out, and you're like, ah. And again, it's lovely because like in terms of casting wise, you kind of have a a gut feeling of where these things are going. You're like Emily Van Camp is seems like a lovely human, so therefore Sharon Carter is a lovely human, and they were on the same side before. But again, you know, it's been years since she was. You can tell she's like, no, I was abandoned. It's fine for you. You're back now. You're pardoned. I've been on the run. I haven't seen my family. I haven't even talked to them. So who knows what way that's potentially uh, going to go. But no, I, I just love the fact that she was like, you don't want to hear this? Well, I'm going to say it anyway. She also knows how to throw a house party. I'll give her that. Oh, without a doubt. Seeing, She's like, I'm having a couple of Daniel, guests around. Seeing Daniel Brill bop in that rave is like, it's already, it has to be a gif already. It has to be a meme. Just just him having his little like, like <laughs> call me by your name, little dance in the middle of a rave is phenomenal. I know it's like wait, this was the big bad in one of the main MCU films, and like, and he's dancing like this. I know dancing isn't a prerequisite uh, uh, of like how good or bad a villain you are, but uh, I, think, I, I thought he would have some more moves. Yeah, like no, I, I think bad dancing is is a prerequisite for for being a good bad guy. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, he well he fits the bill perfectly. Um, so yeah, so obviously. That takes them on to, uh, or well, in the midst in, in all of this, we're getting just a couple of wee snippets of the Flag Smashers as well. Um, you know, in terms of a bit more of their background, the refugee camp where they've been held. And again, it's kind of going back to the, wait, these people are all just humans trying to work together, just different nationalities, uh, you know, different backgrounds, and they're trying to get vaccinations, their resources, there's this global entity, powerful, rich company that's holding on to supplies they should be doing. So you're kind of getting the the writers are definitely pushing in a direction of like, oh no, you're you're feeling sorry for these guys as well, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're still out. No, I'm it not was, feeling sorry for them in any way. It, I just I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I was I, I've definitely found their angle to be the least interesting. Whenever it yeah. got back to them there it was so um it just felt so worthy. I just felt a bit like it just was, they just weren't fun to be around uh, whenever they came on screen. And I like throughout this episode, I was like, all oh, right, yeah, they're still here. Uh, and it was only during kind of their final scene in this episode. I was like, Oh wait, 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 this could be interesting now because 
it does like because Carly all the way through it is like we're we're trying to get food and medicine for our people. And I was like, yeah, okay, like all right, great. Like this is fucking weird soldier. I don't, I don't know. And then all of a sudden she blows up an entire security wing, uh, just because they happened to have food that she wanted. And you could see even like her, I guess maybe second in command is looking at her going, wait a second, what? Why did you? You didn't have to do that. Yeah, the cracks are starting to appear in the Flag Smashers, which is always the way with Freedom Fighters, where you get, you know, the non-violent approach, the violent approach. And again, it's hard to have a, a mostly non-violent approach when you've got like a team of super soldiers. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you can you can tell that she's definitely starting to go out on her own and operate without the like the knowledge or consent of the others being on board. It's like, you're not going to take your car. Oh, no, no, no. I've turned it into a massive car bomb. I'm going to kill all the, the people who are probably like admin and office workers as well as security guys mm-hmm. as well, but they're all inside the building. So, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Um, and maybe the writers have a feeling, you know, like because he didn't spend too much time in them and they do bring the action back to to Bucky and Sam um pretty much immediately anyway so um but maybe yeah we'll we'll see where that goes with the flag smashers because i know one of your previous wild theories is obviously that you no know, the controlling force behind all elements here uh, are going to be linked as well so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well yeah like we we've, we've still got to find out because we know they stole the second batch of the serum so we know that but we don't know where they got the first batch from that initially gave them the super the superpowers or whatever super strength um so they did have a conversation about going all going to madripoor and, yes. and getting it while they were there but i'm trying like it if that's the extent of the explanation of like we were there and we just happened across the people who just happened like why would the people who could create this very rare and very hard to make serum specifically give it to them there's like it doesn't seem like they could have had a lot of money to buy it i I don't think they stole the the first round so unless they were either test subjects and we're going to find that out eventually or the power broker which could be sharon is on their side about the whole things were better before y'all came back and ruined it uh because sharon does seem to have uh upgraded her lifestyle a bit <laughs> in, in, in the five years well she um, considering she did have that tiny little apartment uh yes besides steve previously you know going down and doing her laundry and it's like oh now i have eight butlers to do my laundry so it's fine yeah i've got van gogh's and and, and, and <laughs> yeah. everything else just like in my living room uh and actually i got a bit <laughs> very anxious during her house party i was like oh, people are drinking and those part those paintings are everywhere uh, oh i thought you were like because everybody i was like what is that oh it's a nightclub it's been quite a while since i've seen a nightclub it's like all those people are standing very close together but yes also spilling uh shots of snake on the on the on the famous painting just don't do that just 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 don't do that so yeah so that bombing happens and then i think if i remember correctly that's kind of what triggers them to come back to latvia yeah back to riga yeah, yeah exactly so what what now i might just be fuzzy in my head where what building are they going into in kind of the the second to last shot 
Yeah, because you have the three of them. You've got Bucky, Sam, and Zemo. They've arrived outside a building. They're about to go in, and Bucky stops, and <laughs> it actually reminded me of, he's like, I'm just going to go for a walk, guys. It's like whenever you've been away with like a group of friends on a holiday, and people just need their space, whether it's yeah. a you know a holiday with friends or like a stag do or like with a hen do. And he says, that ah, just leave him, man. Bucky just needs a bit of space. He had a real late one last night. You're like, just let him go. But then, so... The building, I'm not 100% sure what that is. But then I had no idea what Bucky was doing when he started picking up these kind of these little black bread crumbs uh, that were making the the, the beeping noise. Um, so I was like, like the mystery, I was immediately hooked. And I was like, okay, okay, where's it going? I thought, is this something to do with, it's obviously something that he's recognized and the others haven't. And then I was thinking, oh, is this some way that he was previously activated? Uh, that was my first thought. And then. Obviously, well, I don't know if you want to take it from there in terms of this reveal and what this reveal might potentially mean. Yeah, so it's a little, like, again, I, I was the exact same. I really, like, once they revealed who it was, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, Like, when he does pick up those little black metallic balls, I was like, what is that? And then when you see who it is, you're like, ah, oh, silly, of course. So he follows, like, the trail of them. And I'm wondering, like, were they laid out as a breadcrumb trail for him, or is he just really good at spotting these things? I'm sure we'll we'll find that out in the next episode. But the camera does the the fantastic yes. pan away, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, horror yeah. movie pan where there's no one there, and then you come back and there's someone there. So he's like, I was wondering when you'd show up. And my mind is like, Oh my god, is is it Wolverine? Oh my god, it's happening! <laughs> um, and it turns around and it's Io, who um, is a member of the all female kind of special forces guard at Wakanda. Um, and in Wakandan, she says, we're here for Zemo. And it's like, cut to black. It's like, you know. <gasps> <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let you ask some questions or I'm gonna let you theorize and then course correct you. Uh, if you've got, <laughs> if you've got some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to fix everything. Um, I'm going to panic and just say sell by date again, basically. Um, so yeah, no, whenever she popped up and I was like, oh, okay. So we've got Io here, as you said, one of these kick-ass um, elite guards um, from Wakanda. And she's clearly been, to, and of course, like it makes perfect sense when you're like, obviously, if they've heard that Zemo has escaped, they're out to get this guy as well for everything that he's done previously uh and killed king t'challa so it's it's and again whenever because her first appearance is after the bombing and it's whenever we're introduced to to black panther as well and he's about to um i think she's who does she squares up to black widow uh and and kind of um chadwick boseman gets involved and he's like no 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 listen and they start to that would be fun to see but Oh, that would be amazing! Yeah, no, so that, that's like, that's what that's what he says. He's like, that would be that would as much fun as that would be to see. This is not the time to fight. <laughs> yeah, this is not now. Um, so obviously, it's because of Bucky's time that he spent in Wakanda, recuperating, working with Shuri, getting his his mind erased, hopefully, so that those activation codes don't work again. Mm. Um, so he obviously has this Wakandan connection out because his arm is obviously made there as well. So unless that maybe that alerted him to the fact that the the little breadcrumb balls were there potentially, or maybe he just is is trained to spot those kind of things. So in terms of where it's gonna go, I mean, like we obviously have potentially a Black Panther 2 connection, but I don't know what that is and how that ties in with it. So my my speculation 
uh, ends there, which is why we leave uh, the the crazy theorizing to you. Yeah, because like if it's if it's a big swing and a big miss, that's on me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not embarrassed in any way whatsoever. <laughs> I just like it's like someone says, "You know this guy, Roy?" It's like, no, never no. seen him before. In my life. No, 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 no. So it's interesting. All right, so I O, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, um, we 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 were introduced to her in Civil War. We saw her again in Black Panther. We saw her again in Infinity War, but we didn't see her in Endgame. Okay, so. I'm I'm curious. I'll have I look up. Uh, it will probably require going back to like watch whatever the final scene was in Endgame. I'm trying to remember. Like was Lapita Nyong'o and was a lot of the other. Uh, was it Dari, da, Danny Cabrera? I think I'm pronouncing that right. Like the other kind of elite female guards were they all present for the final fight? And was she the only one who wasn't there? Um, right. Okay. Because this could be like if she was left behind, she could could have become a bit of a rogue agent. And she's now just trying to get revenge on, you know, uh, Team uh, T- T- Tikala? T- what was his name? T'Challa. T'Challa. Team T'Challa. Uh, on the, the guy who was that. And she seems to know that it was Zemo who did it and not... Um, Winter Soldier, not Bucky. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember now if that was common knowledge as well. Um, that that everyone knew that it definitely wasn't Bucky who'd done it. Um. So that's one thing, and the other, the other, my other thought is, is that like, if she was wasn't around, and this is kind of setting up the world of Black Panther two without Chadwick Bosman, so mm. without T'Challa, um, so this could be that the the elite guards have kind of fractured; they've no one to follow anymore, so they're kind of going off and doing their own thing, and again, she's like hunting down the person who essentially might have like set the whole thing in motion by killing the previous ruler. Like the last time it felt like Wakanda was being run well. <laughs> um, Yeah. So it, it is interesting. Like it, it obviously we've very little to go on. She comes on, says one line and then it's cut to black. And she, she does say I'm here for Zemo, not we're here for Zemo. So, oh, right. Okay. I'm wondering if she is just literally there just on her own, um, as, as her, or she's been sent off on her own to do it, um, to do the job. So, yeah, there is, um, <clears throat> there's a lot to answer in episode four, but it does, I, I agree, it does seem to be like laying its own little breadcrumbs towards what Black Panther 2 could potentially be. Yeah, and just to to say for the record, I I think I said it was T'Challa who died in the in the explosion in Vienna. It's T'Chaka was his dad, and then obviously Chadwick Boseman is is T'Challa as well. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And again, that's interesting that she may potentially be a rogue agent, or if she has help there as well, or she's been sent like uh, if in an official capacity from Wakanda to go and track this guy down. Um, so as you said, that's that's pretty much the episode wrapped up then. I think we've covered most parts. I mean, again, as ever, there'll be uh, things that, that will pop up during the week. But mm. um, episode three, done and dusted. Three down, three to go. The glass is half full, as we said. Um, are you, like, has, has it ramped up successfully, like, kind of each episode for you? Are you, like, getting to the point as we were, like, with something like WandaVision, where it's like, 
okay, I've just watched episode three. Please, can you give me episode four right now? Yeah, like I think they're definitely, <clears throat> they're definitely, definitely filling the world better. They're giving us more to be interested in. Um, we've more kind of spinning theories to like, is Sharon power broker? Is IO setting up Black Panther 2? Is the Princess Barra actually revealing the future of the X-Men? Is, uh, is uh, Zemo more involved with the power brokers than we realize yeah, like this episode, as you said, pulled back so much on John Walker and his second in command is constant, like constantly. Now, are, you, are we doing the right thing? Are you sure about yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, which is interesting as well. I wonder if that will set up uh, its own little central con central conflict um, for them. Like th there is a lot more going on. Um, but now because there's only three episodes left, uh, they have a lot less time to resolve it all. Because that, that was yeah. that was my one major major gripe. I loved WandaVision, but I did feel like when it came to the final episode, it was like, okay, now it's over. Um, where they really should have stretched the ending out a bit more. Yeah, well, if they're able to, you know, cram as many things in as they did there in episode three um for these next three episodes as well and again even the runtime of this episode was maybe about 10 minutes longer than the mm. previous two as well so if they're happy to like you know kind of have longer running times for the last three episodes as well uh you'd be confident or well hopeful that they'd be able to uh you know really pack in as much detail there as possible so no listen um oh one last thing uh torres popped up again on the phone yep. it's like he's 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 hasn't been there physically but uh just again like keep, kind of just keeping these links and ties open to some other characters depending on how they uh may potentially uh come back as well okay well listen i i think i'm just gonna go and watch the episode again yeah like i it will it will warrant I'm, I'm sure there'll be endless like not just on 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 joe but all, all over twitter and everything like endless screen grabs of what the hell does this single frame mean um and this is the closest to an episode of wandavision of endless theorizing uh that has been so far it also i think was the most action free aside from sharon's scrap i don't think there was another really big action set piece in this was there no no it was mostly her uh smaller fights that were mm. popping up as as um as the guys were on the run in madripoor especially speaking of madripoor um i don't know what you i'm going to immediately google flights to madripoor and just see when i can get there next so uh as soon as lockdown's lifted uh i'll see you there boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah just make sure you stay in a uh, high town you'll be grand yeah, grand. Uh, I'll see if my friends in the Brass Monkey and Yuri <laughs> know, know anybody out there. I think it's a chain. Uh, well, listen, thanks as ever, Rory, um, for uh, just for everything and for hopefully not including me on your murder list. Fingers crossed. I promise not to murder you if you can promise not to text me at 7 a.m. next week, forgetting again that the show isn't until 8.01. You know I can't promise that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and thank you to Column on Sound. And again, thank you to everybody who's been listening over the last couple of episodes uh, to TB or Spotlight. Um, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get all the new episodes straight into your feed, wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll also get uh, lots of really cool interviews that we've been doing um, with the stars of various films that are coming out. Uh, I think a couple of the guys from Godzilla vs. Kong mm -hmm. just up earlier this week as well. So you can go and check those out. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you later. Bye.